Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Seems a little better. Yeah. Okay. Starting with bucks. All right. Well, we are back on another West Golf Fanatics Wednesday. Um, got some interesting, interesting thoughts coming out of today's show. Jake and I are going to start the show talking with Bucks and draft targets. Um, there was a report that came out actually just on Tuesday night that the Bucks are potentially one of the teams inquiring about the um, Cleveland Cavaliers number fourteen pick. So Jake and I could end up talking about these these guys that we're interested in targeting at the 24th pick, and then tomorrow during the draft, the Bucks could decide to move up to number 14, and then this content will already be out of date. But that being said, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna prepare as if the Bucks are drafting number 24. So Jake and I each have a few players that we are looking for the Bucks to target at that 24th pick. So um, I'm gonna let Jake go first. Welcome, everybody. Happy Wednesday. Um, so my first guy I know is the one that Tyler and I gather. Um, AJ Liddell. Um, as Badgers fans, we should know lots about him. He's very 6'7", 243. Um, he's a guy who has very, very long arms, and he's he's tough inside for a guy who's only 6'7". He can play out on the, the wing to the handle. So he can play inside, play outside. I know Tyler has more stuff on him, so I'm not going to take too much time on EJ Liddell. All right. So I want to throw out there, he made 49% of his field goals. He made 37.4% of his threes and 76.5% of his free throws. So he's a solid shooter. Um, You know, there's always room for improvement Mm -hmm. on stuff like that and shooting. Um, my my thought process on EJ Liddell is that I would like to see the Bucks draft him, develop him, and use him in the same role that the Warriors use Draymond Green. Ooh. That's the idea that I have for EJ Liddell. He averaged 2.6 blocks last season. He's really good at tracking the ball. So if you can use EJ Liddell as a small ball center, being a guy that can switch onto perimeter players because he has the lateral quickness – that to me is something that when you get into the positionless basketball of today's NBA, that he can make say 37% of his threes. He can defend down low because of his length and strength. And he's quick enough to defend guards on the perimeter to potentially switch pick and rolls. So that's why EJ Liddell is really like a really interesting thought process for me is to, to have a guy with that much defensive versatility. So that's, that's what I'm looking for from, EJ Liddell. Yeah, he would fit right in on this roster, I think. I think he'd be an instant impact kind of player. So That's what the Bucks are looking for. Yeah, so this next guy I'm talking about, is I don't think he's going to be an instant impact. I think that he has the skill to do that, but I think he's going to be a little bit more of a project, and that is Patrick Baldwin Jr. If you follow 
low high school basketball in the state, one of the highest really players in the entire nation. He was getting looked at from Dukes and North Carolinas. He chose to stay home and play for his dad at the University of Milwaukee. He was really, really injured, but he flashed a lot of skills. Now, when I tell you his numbers, you're going to be like, why would you draft the guy? But you have to remember, yes, he's playing in lower leagues, but still D1, and he's playing with guys that are not as good as him. So he's kind of just getting doubled the entire game and just really making it work. Really what you have to watch if you want to watch his highlights is him in the U19. He really flashed a lot of potential in that, in my opinion. Um, he, he, one of his highlights is he hit a Steph Curry Nola three-pointer versus Robert Morris, and he looked right at their bench. He went 6-6 six six from three that game. Um, he's 6'10", 231. Uh, he averaged 12 points. Five rebounds and only 1.5 assists. Now, the 1.5 assists is kind of a lying stat, in my opinion, because he did flash the ability to be a good playmaker. He can grab the rebound like Giannis and push push up the floor immediately. Imagine if Giannis can just run up the floor and not have to be the guy to get the rebound. Now that makes him extra dangerous because Baldwin can be a guy that can shoot that three off the dribble. And like I said, he's a willing passer. So he can pass it over to a Chris Middleton, pass it over to a Drew Holiday, or he can hit Giannis running to the rim, which be the which would be the best option, all three of those options. Not that Chris Middleton or Drew Holiday are bad options, but Giannis going to the rim is 100 times out of 100. I'm passing that. Baldwin Jr., really, I think of a guy from Denver, Michael Porter Jr., who came in injured, long, can shoot, good touch. You could tell that he was coached up by, by his dad, you know, his whole life because his feet – his hands, his arms, everything looks NBA ready when he shoots that ball. And he really pulls up a lot when he goes to his left. So Patrick Baldwin Jr., I think two, three years from now, if people, if we draft him now, we will look back on it like the Warriors did with Jordan Poole when we drafted him in the late 20s. And when they were, and all of a sudden, he's the third splash brother. So that's something to take into consideration, in my opinion. So my next guy, he's a little bit smaller, but he does fit kind of a similar mold where he's a guy who mm-hmm. – um, he's a willing passer. He can he can shoot the three, although he's a better catch-and-shoot three-point shooter, is Wendell Moore. So he's 6'5". He's a little bit smaller. He's more of a shooting guard. Uh, he averaged 13.4 points, 5.3 rebounds, 4.4 assists at Duke last year, um, and 1.4 steals. So he's got the ability to, um, to play some good defense. Um, he's a really good catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. Um, he's improved his three-point shooting big time from his first year at Duke. He was 21.1%. Second year at Duke, he was 30.1%. And then last year, he was 41.3% on threes. So he's really massively improved his three-point shooting. Um, his per 100 possessions from last season, um, his offensive rating, 123.4. Defensive rating, 101.2. So those are very good offensive and defensive ratings per 100 possessions. Um, and then, like I said, he's a he's a willing passer. He works well in the pick and roll, which is something the Bucs mm-hmm. obviously employ a lot of. Um, honestly, the entire NBA employs a ton of pick and roll yep. um, just because it's it's a really hard thing to, to defend well over and over and over again. Um, so the NBA does a lot of pick and roll. So having a guy that can – orchestrate that on offense um, is just something that's going to benefit the Bucks. Okay. So every time I think about the pick and roll, I think of the one saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. So I'm glad you brought the pick and roll up because my next guy is awesome at the pick and roll. 
Well, we transitioned this perfectly without even planning it. Right, dude, that was amazing. <laughs> uh, Jalen Williams from Santa Clara. This guy is 6'6", 7'2", wingspan. So he's big, he's long, and he, he uses his body and his frame perfectly when he wants to get his own shot off. He will either drive to the rim take you all the way to the rim and take you back yard with your butt. Or he'll stop on a dime and he'll pull up for that little mid-range. He shot 38% from mid-range last year. Obviously, it's not the greatest percentage in the world, but a guy coming in who's young, you can improve on that. I I see potential when I'm trying to when I'm thinking of drafting 24th. I'm looking at a guy that's either going like, are we going to get a guy that's going to be a flash pan that's going to be right away going to be good, or are we going to get a project guy that you know two years from now all of a sudden he could be a mass he could be a massive piece to our team. And Jalen Williams is a guy that's kind of both. Um, he averaged 18 points, 4.4 rebounds. 4.2 assists, and he shot nearly 4% last year. So a guy that could pull up, do his thing. Um, he can create off the dribble, and he is one of the best pick-and-roll passers in this draft. I saw him dropping dimes with both hands. He's pulling at the left hand over to the corner. He's dr- he's bouncing him with his left hand. He's bouncing him with his right hand. He's throwing fireballs over over the defenders and right to his big man for, for lobs. I mean, this guy is everything. Also, the one cool part about him is his birthday is 4-14, so it's already the long. Milwaukee area coach, so I say sign him up. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's awesome. All right, so my last guy that I'm looking at is Christian Brown from Kansas. So he is six foot seven and plays shooting guard. Um, he's 49.5% on field goals, 38.6% from three, and 73% from the free throw line. He averaged 14.1 points, six and a half rebounds, 2.8 assists, one steal, 0.8 blocks. His per 100 possession ratings, offense 116.5, defense 96.9. Okay. So okay. very solid defensively. Um, he's got a really good dribble drive. He's sneaky athletic. He can yep. hit threes. He's not afraid of contact. He plays passing lanes well on defense. Um, really the only thing he needs to do is, is limit his turnovers. But all that being said, Christian Brown really reminds me just of a taller version of Grayson Allen. I am not opposed to that. I'm really not. All right. So I put a bone guy on there just because, you know, I'm kind of falling in love with him. I was doing it right before the show, man. I was just watching this stuff. Um, it's Nikola Jovic. Um, he's Serbia, Cola from Serbia. And I'm instantly like, yeah, I'm on board. Let's do this thing. I was watching his highlights and he's actually got a game, man. He's smooth. Uh, he's not the fastest guy on the court, but he's got good speed. I feel like he has deep. He has above average athleticism. I would out of 10, I'd rate him probably about a seven, seven and a half. He's getting to the rim. He's pulling up from NBA range from three already. Um, they called him one of the 10 best players in the U19 tournament. So that says something to me. He was an efficient scorer, scoring from all over the court. Uh, good free throw shooter. I would say the one thing that they did talk about improvement, and I agreed, was his defense. He's a little bit slow laterally. But that's something that you can work on and improve. Um, being around a guy like Chris Middleton, who had to grind his way into his stardom, uh, being around a guy, Drew Holiday, who's known as probably the best perimeter defender in the NBA. I mean, you're going to be around good coaches and good players, and you're going to find out positioning and stuff. So Nikola Jovic, he is called the Serbian sensation, and I'm all about it, baby. I, I say I say any of these guys, any of these guys on either of our list would be – Good, we'd a guard or 
a wing in general, a wing. I don't really know if they call them guards or forwards anymore, just a wing or a backup big. Um, either would be great for me. But the draft is going to be interesting for the Bucks, especially since they're looking to move up, man. That's That makes it intriguing. Now now we got to watch it. Like, I don't know what, what's horse going to do. Yeah, I actually just wrote an article this morning about, like, who they could, like, look to take. And yeah. when I was looking at it, I was looking at basically um, – Basically, more wings like guys like Oche, Jobby, um, Benedict Mathurin. Um, I remember who the other one that I had that I put down was. Um, potentially, if Mark Williams, the center from Duke, were to fall to fourteen, like that could be an option. Um, I don't remember who the other the other one that I had was, but um, you know, there's it's not a bad idea to get younger at center. That's all I'm gonna say. Right, and that's and that's something like center is a position where. Like if you don't find one in free agency, it's really hard to um, to try to develop somebody into that role. So it's really kind of one of those positions that you want to have figured out before it's a need. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like Christopher just said in the comments, anyone that can play defense and defend the three ball. Um, and then on top of that, I'm looking for guys that can also hit the three ball. So basically, I'm just looking for a bunch of guys that are three and D guys is basically what I'm looking for. Um, Scott, uh, we did start... Um, <clears throat> we did start with EJ Liddell. Jake and I both had EJ Liddell on our list. Mm-hmm. Um, are we planning to do live draft coverage tomorrow? Um, we hadn't planned on it. I'm um, not opposed. I mean, I don't really have anything going on tomorrow. <laughs> I was going to say like, yeah, I don't know if you want to do the, if you want to do the whole draft or if you want to just do when the bucks pick or how you want to do mean, it. I mean, I can, I can start it up. Man, and then you can join whenever you're around your room. I mean, like I said, I got nothing going on. Uh, after two o'clock, which is my daughter's one year checkup at the doctor, gonna find out mm. how chunky she is. I'm looking forward to that. Well, she's um, got your cheeks, so no, she's got my <laughs> the rest of her looks nothing like me. It looks like my girlfriend. Thank <laughs> God, man. I don't want to be chunky, but uh, agent would be a, a better option. We're not getting Aiden, dude. He's gonna get he's demanding like 40 million a year. Yeah, he wants he wants Great. max money. He's he's gonna get paid like just below max money. Like I see him getting a deal like similar to Rudy Gobert. Um Aiton. I don't know where Aiton's gonna end up. There's yeah, I don't think he's gonna stick around with the Suns despite them um saying that they're trying to clear cap space to sign Aiton. Um <laughs> yeah. Um as far as getting younger at center, um, I think I think a more realistic option would be a guy like Mo Bamba. Um, I do think, based on what John Horst said last week during his media availability, they are going to roll with Brook Lopez this year. Um, what's up, Big Cheese? Um, Aiton to L.A. I mean, if the Clippers could find a way to trade for DeAndre Aiton, that would be a really good pickup for them. But they got massive contracts with Kawhi and Paul George, so. It would basically be if, a three-headed monster, and that's it. If they get Aiton and Kawhi comes back, they might be my favorite to win the West, and I'm not even joking. It's interesting. Um, Middleton the is Warriors, under contract. Though, so. The Warriors, though, with, with Wiseman, dude. I heard they might trade him because they won without him. Hey, well, hey, the younger option right there. I'll take Wiseman. Give me Wiseman. Um, Scott, yeah, Middleton's under contract. The Lakers ain't doing shit until they get rid of that Westbrook contract. It's plain and simple. They're not doing shit. 
47 mil for one player. The projected cap is like 122. I saw this morning between yep. Taylor Horton Tucker, Anthony Davis, and LeBron. That's 92 of the 122. And then they have the player option to Westbrook. They're screwed. Their base, their roster is basically set already until they get rid of Russ. Yeah, that's that's a rough contractual got, position. That's to be a great in. starting point. Yeah, that's tough, bro. I mean, they went all in on that big three. They listened to LeBron. They got rid of all the young pieces. They went all in on that. They got one title out of it. But if you're the Lakers, the Lakers fans are kind of like Packers fans. They expect more than one. And they're, mm-hmm. they're really, really, really babied in that way, I would say. I just wanted to look and see if Middleton has a player option at the end of his contract or not. I think he does. I think he has a player option. <laughs> Yeah, so Middleton is signed. Hey, I'm talking, man. He's probably my favorite talk of, of all of them. Um, yeah, he signed oh, through this year, and then he has a $40 million player option next year. So next year is the year that he could either opt out or opt in. Um, draft talk, yeah. yeah that's that's Better it. Bench and, uh, point guard and consistent backup three. Yeah, I would agree with yeah, that. And that's, yeah, Christopher, that's it. And I would say one more defender in there, too. Um, so yeah, just one more, one more defensive specialist, I think too. Cause I think that's ultimately the, the thing that they were missing besides Chris Middleton, who was down with the injury. The only other piece that was really different from the championship season to last year was PJ Tucker. Um, yeah. that was a role they attempted to fill with semi Ojale. Obviously that experiment didn't pay off. Um, Rodney yeah. hood was never that guy, but, um, yeah. and they couldn't, they couldn't get to, uh, a Dennis Schroeder, they tried doing that. Um, um, Scott, he can't opt out until next year, so it doesn't even um, – it really doesn't even pay to, to discuss it until that um, comes around. So um, <clears throat> so that'll be that'll be a next summer thing. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Peter Tucker was really the only difference. Um, Ibaka, Ibaka was really more of an insurance policy – just in case Brooke Lopez wasn't able to come back or if he came back and was re-injured. Um, had, had, he, had Brooke Lopez gotten re-injured, Bobby Portis would have been the starting center and Ibaka would have been the primary backup there. Um, mm-hmm. But in honestly, in today's NBA, nobody's going three deep at center. Shit, you're lucky we go deep. <laughs> we're, we're lucky that we had two big men on the floor consistently with Giannis and another big. Yeah, especially against the Celtics. Yeah, Um, Ibaka was a block machine when he was a little bit younger. Um, Now he's a little bit less. A highly contested machine now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Not that that's a bad thing. I don't think that's a bad thing. But so I wanted to give a shout out real quick. Do you remember when you brought up? Oh man, this is probably two months ago now. You brought up Joey Weimers. Brewers. Oh yeah, Joey Weimer. Yeah. So I was watching last night. I was. Chilling, uh, the day off today, so I a little later. Chilling on the couch watching Sports Center, and they were showing the top ten. And number five he was, was number a play one. by Joey Weimers. Yeah. Number one last night. This he, morning, was he was number five and number one. But uh, yeah, dude, he made a couple crazy catches, and I was like, yep. "Shout out, Brewers, baby, let's go!" <laughs> <laughs> yep, yeah, Joey Weimers tearing it up down in Double A. I'm really excited for the Brewers 2024 outfield. Um, Sal Frelick got hurt yesterday, so hopefully it's nothing bad with him, but. Um, Sal Frelick hit a triple yesterday and then came out of the game. So hopefully he's not 
dealing with anything too bad. But, um, yeah, Scott, you know, if we had Middleton, I think the Bucks are in the finals as well. Um, you know, it's, it's a thing where, um, you know, good teams can, you know, play the if game, but great teams can overcome those injuries because everybody deals with them. Um, that's, that's how I feel. That's, that's, that's the, the mantra that I preached with the Bucks when they won the championship for other teams, you know, we're saying, Oh, these guys were injured. This guy was injured. The Bucks are just lucky. Uh, it's like you know, injuries happen to everybody. Yeah. Um, Giannis hyperextended his knee in the Eastern conference finals. The Bucks went and won two games without him. You know, they, they happen to everybody. Um, and they happened to the Bucks this year. I think the Bucks should still have won without Middleton, but they didn't. So it's, you know, it's harder. There's, it's harder that. There's definitely a few games that they definitely gave away where you're looking at it and you're like, mm-hmm. and Middleton especially after, the difference in that game. Yeah. And they definitely, they stole one on the road. And I was just like, all right, we're going back home for game six, baby. Let's do this thing. Let's, let's get it taken care of, knock them out. And we can hopefully heal up, you know, I don't think we really needed Middleton against the Heat. Now, the Heat are a tough team. The Bucs could have beat the Heat without him. But Middleton coming back, and we could have ushered him in slowly and let him get fully mm-hmm. healthy. I think Warriors-Bucks was going seven. It was going to be a match. I agree. Series. That would have been, oh, that would have been so good. That would have been so and, good. And the way that Curry was shooting later in that series, I'm not saying anything, but I'm saying, man, because he had a game where he went 0 for 9. I'm just saying, man, I don't know. We might be going back to back. It feels like we should have. Yeah, and that's that's ultimately for, for people that want to complain about Budenholzer or whatever it is. Like ultimately without your second best player, you're gonna you're not gonna get fired for losing a series that went seven games to the team that ended up in the finals. Who has an answer for Giannis, though? Let's 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 be honest. Who? What's the answer to Giannis? A wall. That is it. A wall of human beings. That is at least three dudes. A wall of humans. After that, <laughs> you're done. I'm sorry. <laughs> um. So I've seen it in the comments a couple of places. Um, guys talking about Lorenzo Cain. Um, unfortunately, uh, Lorenzo Cain was DFA'd on Saturday, and ultimately, the fact of the matter is. It was a sad but understandably necessary move to uh, designate Lorenzo Cain for assignment. Um, he did clear waivers and is now a free agent. Um, so, you know, if the Brewers got into a really bad pinch, like they could call up Lorenzo Cain and be like, hey, like, you want to come play some center field? Um, ultimately, what it's going to lead to is a lot more playing time for Tyrone Taylor. and probably the Brewers looking for an outfielder on the trade market. Um, So Jake and I each have a handful of guys that we'd like to trade for. Unfortunately, the the outfield trade market's a little thin, um, and it's not the only place that the Brewers have a need right now because they have so many injuries, especially to the pitching staff. So um, Uh my first first trade target, this is he's – I looked at him a couple weeks ago. And he's only started to play better since then. And he's only 24 years old. So this first trade target ultimately is not a very realistic one because it would take so much to acquire him. Um, But it's Andrew Vaughn from the White Sox. Um, He's only 24. He's killing left-handed pitching, which is ultimately one of the reasons that I wanted him on the Brewers. Um, He's, he came in as a first Uh baseman, but he's been playing a lot of left field and a little bit of right field. Um, so he's, you know, he could play outfield, but ultimately 
if the White Sox keep losing, I think it's possible that they trade Jose Abreu um, and and keep Andrew Vaughn. Um, on the question of Hater getting traded, no. Um, if you're a team that's contending or looking to contend, you don't trade one of your best players. Um, those trade rumors that, that fire up every year are, A, because the Brewers are a small market, and um, small market teams don't often um, pay relievers high money. And two <clears throat> is because there's a lot of big market teams that want to trade for a guy like Josh Hader. Mm-hmm. Um, mainly the two in New York. Um, that's that's why that gets brought up every year is because the big markets want to trade for him and the Brewers being a small market, having a guy that's due to make a lot of money, those mm-hmm. two things usually just get spun into a narrative of, hey, this guy's due for a big contract because he's playing well. That means the small market team will trade him automatically when that's not necessarily the case, especially on a team that has been in the playoffs for four years in a row. Um, I agree. He's the best in the game. He's they got to pay him. Um, you, don't trade, you, you don't trade players that are the best. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things and where young. Say the Brewers were on pace to win like eighty games or seventy five games, then you could trade him for you know say twelve prospects or something like that. But um, it's for a team that's like I said, the team that's been in the playoffs for four consecutive years. You just don't trade one of your best players when you're looking to get back into the playoffs and potentially make a World Series run. Yeah, man. The Brewers are, in my opinion, if they can get healthy on pitching, you know, starting rotation uh, is very good when healthy. Um, I have a guy that could help both of that my trade targets. But maybe one more bat, and Tyler brought up a great point talking about left-handed hitting. And I knew you were going to do that. I was like, ah, oh, Tyler's going to fucking kill this, That's, set, this it's, section, yeah. man. Tyler's going to kill it. Um, <laughs> But, you know, I think they're one one hitter away from really, really unlocking their potential. I see the potential in their hitting. You know, I, I see, you know, what they were looking at and the guys they're trying to put in the lineup and move them up and down. And I see the potential in it. I just feel like they, they haven't found their groove yet. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and they're going to. I mean, we there's still some left backs. Man, don't uh, – the thing about Adams is, is different, though. Adams is – in football terms, he's old. Hater is young in baseball age. So he's getting another one, two contracts where Adams, this is his last one. This last is the one. last big contract Adams is getting. The Packers offered it. He didn't want to take it. He wanted to go play for his hometown team. So, hey, that's on him. Uh, he is the best, though. I agree. He's still the best player. I'm not a salty fan. I am going to be sad yep. not hearing Rodgers – Finds Adams. I mean, I will be sad. I, I won't lie. We move on to Watson and Dubs, man. We got a cool guy with, with Dubs, man. Come on. Romeo Dubs is Dubs. still the so, coolest name in the draft. Oh, easily. Not even close. And I'm so glad that we got him, dude. So glad. Um, I'm going to go to my first trade target. Um, should I do my unrealistic one? The yeah, one you might as well. I did my unrealistic one. Yeah. I had to, like, reshuffle my how I was going to do it because I had it all in my head. And you're like, oh, this one's unrealistic. All right. So the guy that I think is a little bit unrealistic, but would honestly just make this lineup crazy. Another, uh, my current favorite brewer right now is Hunter Renfro, who we got from the Red Sox. I went for another one, and it's JD Martinez. Mm. Uh, this this guy just hits straight up. He just hits baseballs. 
Um, he has a 330 average, uh, 396 OBP, and a 535 slugging percentage. Um, he's had seven seasons with at least 20 homers. Four of those, he had over 30. He's had four seasons with 100 RBIs. He almost had another one last year because he had 99 RBIs. I'd be so pissed if I ended the year with 99. I'd be right? so pissed. Be like, why did I grow into nine double plays, you dumb bastard? But anyways, <laughs> J.D. Martinez on this team as the DH would just be disgusting, in my opinion. Yeah, that'd be cool. I mean, the Red Sox are in like an awkward position. The Red Sox, yeah. the Blue Jays, and the Rays are all in kind of a log jam. Yeah. Um, behind the Yankees in the AL East. And then, like, for a while, I don't know if they might they might still be, um, they were the three wild card teams. So, you know, if that continues um, after the Red Sox, they went, like, on a huge long win streak, so they might turn into buyers. But yep. um, yeah. we'll see what happens with them, I guess. Um, so I have one more batter, and then I have three pitchers on my list, actually. But my other batter is C.J. Crone. Um, I had him kind of on my list from – from the Rockies last year, actually, too, because he was on such a, a low one-year contract. Uh-huh. Um, he does play in Coors Field. It's a hitter-friendly ballpark. So is American Family Field. So it's uh-huh. it's within reason to think that his his power numbers could translate to Milwaukee. Um, he's batting two ninety eight, um, three forty four on base percentage, five sixty one slugging percentage, has a nine hundred five OPS. That would be the highest on the Brewers by a lot. Yeah. Um, He's got 17 home runs so far this season, which is three more or two more than Willie Adamas, who's leading the Brewers right now. Um, These are his numbers versus left-handed pitching. 279, 333, 603. Those would all be the best for the Brewers. Um, That would would be super, super useful. Yeah. All right. This guy I know is getting mentioned by a lot of Brewers fans. He plays for the Royals. The Royals are awful. Um, Andrew Benintendi, mm-hmm. I believe I said that correctly. Um, he's a lefty bat. Um, he bats 296. Um, he has 16 extra base hits, so he gets on base and he hits the ball hard. And I wrote down his games for the last seven because, you know, because we were the power pair. So I was like, you know what? I'll do his last seven. Um, he's eight of so average. He has six scored. He has scored six runs, three RBIs, three walks, and a home run. He's not a power threat. He only has three home runs on the year, but one of his three came in the last seven games. So I'll take it. He plays good defense. I just think you know another another valuable lefty bat would be big for the Brewers. All right, my last three. They're all starting pitchers in response to Aaron Ashby ending up on Run the disabled off, list. Yeah. All, uh, all right. I got um, I got one more I got one pitcher so run yours off. All right, Brandon Woodruff is making a um, is making a rehab start in Appleton, um, and actually Trevor Gott and Mike Brasso are all going to be playing in the same game. So if you want to see three Brewers in Appleton and sit close, um, find out what game those three are all playing in um, to rehab. Yeah. Um, that being said, Freddie Peralta has just started throwing, so he's playing a little bit of catch. That's that's the update on Freddie Peralta so far. And then Aaron Ashby went onto the injured list as well. Um, I've been saying it for a couple weeks now. I like the thought of having Jason Alexander stick around in the bullpen uh, to add some bullpen depth there. So um, if, if Peralta, Woodruff, and Ashby all come back healthy, um, I do think it would potentially give the Brewers the option um, – 
to to be healthy. Um, oh, there's Taylor gassing us up. <laughs> I need that today, buddy. I appreciate you. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll even I'll even flash it on the screen for you, Jake. I appreciate that, man. Seriously. <laughs> um, so, it you know, assuming that all three of those guys can be back healthy, the Brewers might not need a starter. So that being said, I'm looking for guys that the, that could just basically fill in. Um, so the first one I'm looking at is Frankie Montes. He's from the Oakland A's. He's the one guy that survived the fire sale. Ultimately, it was because um, the A's were reportedly asking for a high return. Um, that being said, he's got a 3.53 ERA, a 1.14 WHIP, and a 25% strikeout rate and a 46% ground ball rate. So he would he would fit right in along with guys like Lauer, Hauser, um, Jason Alexander that um, generate a lot of ground balls. So that's one. Uh, my second one is Chad Cool. He's only making $3 million this year. Um, he might be the most affordable one. Um, he's also in Colorado. So if the Brewers could maybe work something out to get Chad Cool and CJ Crone, that would be a really, really enticing deal potentially for me. Um, he's got a 369 ERA. So it's nice. It's not terrible. It's not too low that it's going to, you know, cost a high asking price. And then he has a 142 whip that's walks and hits per inning pitch, um, you know, which is which is okay. Um, and then my last one is Martin Perez. He's pitching for the Rangers. He has a 210 ERA this year. Um, he has the lowest home run percentage allowed in baseball. Uh, that's something the Brewers could definitely use in their starting lineup. Um, as a 1.11 whip, um, over 81 and a third innings. Um, he's another he's another guy that pitches for a lot of contact. So while he is giving up a lot of contact, it's all staying in the ballpark. 51.7% ground balls, 23% fly balls. He's only making $4 million this year. Um, so all three of those guys I think could be affordable. Um, but I do really like the, the thought process of a potential Chad Cool, CJ Crone um, pairing. <coughs> that, was, that was a lot. You good? Yeah. <laughs> all right. So my last one, uh, guy from the Reds, starting pitcher, Luis Castillo. Um, he's a guy I think you could put in at the end of the rotation, you know, right after Lauer. And great, I mean, four this year. So you look at his record and you're like, eh, why are you going for a guy that's doing four? Because the Reds suck, okay? Um, he has a 333 run average on the Reds. And the Reds, you want to talk about a home run ballpark? Yeah. God, I I don't know what's worse, the Rockies or the Reds. There's a lot of home runs both years in both those stadiums, I mean, and every year. Um, he only has 15 walks and 46 innings pitched. So, I mean, he keeps the walks down. Walk, nothing annoys me more when I'm watching the Brewers than when they walk a guy, especially when it's like a 1-2 count or yeah, or an 0-2 count, and the guy walks he's off and like, Oh, that is annoying. So he's a guy that keeps the walks down. He has a good earned run average. And like I said, he can go right at the end of the rotation. You you feel good about that. Um, he's 29, so he's been in the league a couple years, and he knows the NL Central. So that's also a key for me. Do the Brewers need to move or stop trying to fix Kestis? So I actually am going to put Christopher and Taylor's comments together. So Christopher asked if the Brewers need to stop and move – um, need to stop, try to fix, and move Keston Hira. Uh -oh. And Taylor asked, "Who would I trade away to get those two? Keston Hira. Um, ultimately, yeah. Ultimately, any trade that I envision for the Brewers includes sending out Keston Hira. Um, I do think you could talk the Rockies into trading for Keston Hira, um, being a young bat that 
hits for a lot of power in a hitter friendly ballpark. I do think you could talk the Rockies mm-hmm. into that. Um, yep. And then it comes down to basically just including a couple of prospects. Um, you know, if the Rockies would potentially, I don't know that anybody really would be, but if you could maybe include a Corey Ray, um, if I don't want to, I don't want to trade Bryce Terang. Um, because if the, if Colton Wong decides to move on from the Brewers after this year, the Brewers are going to need a second baseman, um, and Bryce Terang could maybe be filling that role. Um, so I don't really want to trade Bryce Terang, uh, but he's a guy that could be potentially included in a deal like that. Um, I think Ethan Small would be too much to give up. Um, you know, there are some other um, some guys like Antoine Kelly who's um, kind of kind of the the Ethan Small to Aaron Ashby, Antoine Kelly is to Ethan Small. So he's kind of like the next guy up in that. Um, the Brewers have a lot of outfield okay. depth in the minors. Um, I don't want to trade Joey Weimer or Sal Frelick. So maybe Garrett Mitchell would be a guy that would be um, potentially tradable. Um, just because, I mean, Yelich is going to be here for another five years, I think. Um, so Yelich is going to be around. Um, I'd like to keep Hunter Renfro. Honestly, I consider keeping Hunter Renfro over Tyrone Taylor. He's only two years older than Taylor. Um, so, you know, the Brewers would still have some outfield depth. So I, I could think maybe Garrett Mitchell, Keston Hero, like I mentioned, Antoine Kelly, um, some combinations of those guys are potentially guys you could trade away. So back to your question. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I'm just wondering. <laughs> that was very well done. Uh, I try. I try to take in so much information all the time that, um, so that I can, so I can answer questions. So I, I do. We're it. not trading away Luis. Ooh, not yeah, no, not trading Urias. He is the third baseman of the future. Um, Urias and Willie Adamas being in their mid twenties and through. Um, both of them signed through at least 2025. Um, those two are both sticking around for, for a long time. Yeah. Um, um, if we don't trade away Willie Adamas ever, I'll be very happy. That's all I'm going to say because I love Willie Adamas. Yeah. And, and while we're on the subject, like just give Corbin Burns a lifetime contract and just leave the money uh, player, the money part, just leave it blank. You need to create separate... <laughs> We, we need to create a separate, you know, paper for, for Hater, Burns, and Willie. Those are the three guys. Oh, and Devin Williams. I don't want Devin Williams going anywhere either. So those four players right there, I want to stick around forever because they're just amazing at what they do. Honestly, the, yes. the Brewers having Devin Williams and Josh Hader is unfair. And <laughs> we are going to talk about a game where all three of those pitchers were the only three used, and it was amazing. Yeah, yeah. That's going to suck. Like, oh. just knowing that you start playing against Corbin Burns, so it's like, all right, well, we're fucked for the first six innings of this game at least. And then and then Burns goes seven, and it's like, fuck. Now we had to face Devin Williams and Josh Hader back-to-back after just dealing with seven innings of Corbin Burns. Like, that's – I mean, that's a recipe right. for success there for the Brewers. Um, and, yeah, I, I've, I've been a Urias guy um, since the Brewers traded for him, actually. Um, I got Jake to come around on him last year, especially after the Arcia trade, because I know there were a lot of people bagging on Urias when he was playing a lot of shortstop and dealing with some errors. They moved yep. him over to third base, and he got a lot better. Um, and he actually finished second on the Brewers in home runs last year. Um, 
to answer Taylor's question, if they're going to try to focus on small ball and not rely on the homers, um, they seem to be doing a little bit better with that recently. Um, ultimately, mm-hmm. the Brewers just – I don't know how to go about fixing it, but the Brewers just aren't the best at putting like three, four, five, six, seven good at-bats in a row to drive in two, three, four, five runs in an inning without hitting a home run. Um, they've done it and they're capable, but it's just, it's ultimately, it's just not their identity. Um, you know, it's something that you'd like to see them do a little bit more. Like um, last night's a perfect example. They drew a bunch of walks. They drew five walks. Four of them came with zero outs and only one of them came around to score. The other walk they drew, drew came with one out. Um, so ultimately what it comes down to is just putting hits together. Um, Luis Urias hit a couple really hard balls last night. Ultimately, didn't come around to score. Christian Yelich was on base a couple times last night. Um, I mean, it's just um, it really comes down to more stringing hits together versus thinking about what kind of hits you're generating. Um, you know, I don't think necessarily that every guy is going up there swinging for the fences, but I do think the Brewers are going up there and they're just looking to hit the ball hard, regardless of where it goes. Um, the Brewers just want to hit the ball hard and, you know, where it goes is where it goes. Um, I, I will talk about that a little bit when I get to what I think the Brewers can improve on, um, just because I have a little bit of statistics to kind of to kind of bring it up. But let's start with the second and third games of the Mets series. So let's start with the second game last week, and let's talk about the second game of the Mets series. All right. Um, so Corbin Burns was on the bump for this one. He gave us six innings. I expect nothing less from Corbin Burns. Six innings pitched, five hits, two earned two earned runs, zero walks, and eight Ks. The guy is just just a monster. Um, but outside of that, I got one shout-out to give and then another thing to talk about the Brewers offense that I was very, very proud of. First of all, I'll give a shout-out to Hunter Renfro. Guy was on base four times. He was one for one, and he drew three walks. He only scored one run five times. Okay. Five times. Well, I didn't watch the entire game. I was very busy. But and it was playing in my daughter. Do- Twitter, bro. Twitter, bro. Daughter's first you gotta birthday. Follow, you got to follow was- all the beat writers. <laughs> it, was, it, was a bu- it was a busy week. But Hunter was on base a lot, man. And he and he had a good week this week, in my opinion. Spoiler alert. Um, but the thing that I really, really wanted to, to point out is the seven RBIs with two outs. Mm-hmm. That is what winning teams do. McCutcheon, yep. Kane, Peterson, Carantini, Adamas – all had two out RBIs, and I want to mention the Brewers scored 10 runs and didn't hit a home run in this game. Yep. That is absolutely massive. Glad you brought that up. A little bit more attention to detail now, buddy. Yeah, attaboy. Um, Christopher's over here making me feel good. I'll give you the plug. He's giving me all the, he's giving me all the confidence in the comments. Christopher's making me feel good today. Um, so, in addition to what Jake said, Let's go, Chris. Um, Brewers started the first inning with a double, two hit by pitches. Luis Urias started off with a two RBI single. Um, that broke a 30 inning consecutive scoreless streak for the Mets at home. Wow. Yeah. In the first inning, they broke that. Um, so. The Mets are kind of scary, man. They're what about their two best pitchers, and they're good here. I was just gonna say, if Scherzer and Degrom were healthy, yeah, um, I do think they play in kind of a crappy division, but yeah. an underachieving yeah. division, I'll say. 
Yeah, the Phillies are a little underachieving. I mean, they do have the Braves, the defending champs, and the Braves are Braves give us problems because Max Freed absolutely dominates us most of the time. But mm. other than other than those two, they're like the NL Central. It's really the Brewers and the Cardinals, right? Um, so everybody but Keston Hira and Mark Mathias recorded a hit in this game. Actually, um, Willie Adonis had three hits. The Brewers scored in multiple ways. Um, Sanchez and Strzelecki combined for three innings, or yeah, three innings pitched, zero hits. Sanchez did walk three batters. Um, I'm gonna say this now, and I'm gonna say it again. Stop running on Hunter Renfro. Like it's just not gonna work out for you, man. <laughs> just don't do it. Um, Hunter Renfro drew three walks in this game. Was on base five times. Both of those were firsts for his career. He's got a cannon. He's straight up got a rocket launcher. He's just dude. He's dude, he's like the best throwing right fielder since 2017. So yeah, yeah. over the last five years, he's like the best throwing right fielder in Major League Baseball, and we got him for Jackie Bradley Jr. <laughs> so we got so we got Jackie Bradley Jr.'s defense, but he bats right-handed and he hits home runs. Yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, he's got. I would say he's got a little bit less range, not a ton less, but I'd say he's got a little bit less range. Uh, definitely a better arm, and he's yeah, he's gonna hit like five times as many home runs. Oh yeah, I know. I was actually excited for Jackie Bradley last year. So he, was I, because he the year him. before the Brewers brought him in, he hit two eighty three. So I'm like, oh okay, cool. That's you know, that's solid. You know, the guy yeah. you can stick in like seventh in the lineup, and then yeah, then he batted like one ninety five, and it's like okay, well that was cool. Um, he that had like he had one walk off, so I mean he had that played a bunch of good defense, so that's cool. What's up, Simon? Bet. He didn't even bet two hundred in a walk off. That's baseball, yeah. baby. <laughs> yeah, that is baseball. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose while Simon's in here, we can let you, we can let everybody know that's watching and listening that um, not this coming Friday, but the following Friday is going to be our first Friday night Packers show. Um, Simon is going to be with us for that, as well as our buddy Bryant. So that'll be fun. Um, yeah, we're going to do we're going to do a lot more. We're going to do a lot more Packers discussion this year. Um, a lot more, <laughs> being that we're giving Packers their own show on Friday nights. So I'm excited. Um, to get a lot really more am. Packers discussion. Me too. Um, so let's go to game three. Ooh, wait, before we move on, I got to say game two is the game that Craig Council became the Brewers' all-time leader in managerial wins. So we definitely got to give Craig Council some credit for that. Um, we were not even a week ago, and people wanted him fired. And now he's the winningest manager in history for the Brewers. And they won a couple of games, and the world stopped falling. That is Oh, my, yeah, dude, right? They never even – dude, they never even dipped to 500. <laughs> yeah. The I Nationals have, uh, were 19-31 and 31 in 2019 and won a World Series. And people were freaking out because the Brewers were five games over 500. Yeah. Calm down. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. All right, here we go. Um, This game kind of sucks to talk about because I feel like the Brewers gave this one away. Truthfully, they were 4-0 in this game. Um, Ashby pitched four and a third, four hits, four earned runs. He had three walks. Um, whenever you see a big number and you're like three is not a big number, but when it comes to walks, three is kind of a big number in my opinion, you're going to get hurt. You know, in baseball, that's just how it works. Uh, five, uh, basically because he has a disgusting slider. 
Uh, Milner came in. He looked pretty good, in my opinion. I mean, no earned runs, 1K, two hits, and one and two-thirds. Boxberger did what he does because he's a monster. And uh, Suter, has, the Raptor, has been, been pretty good recently. Um, Yelly had a homer in this game. Renfro, another RBI. Narvaez, two RBIs. Um, Renfro is just a man. I just love him. He was two for four, one RBI this game. He's easily my favorite player. Um, but he threw again, another guy out in that game too. Stop running on Renfro. It's not going to work for you. Yeah. Yeah. Th- this is the game where I got the stat, I believe, where he had he has fifty two outfield assists. Oh well, yeah. Well, yep. So yep. that's that's the most by like ten. I think Starling Marte had the next most with forty two. Yeah, and he was in the same series. Um, but it just still sucks that they gave this one away. Up 4-0, I feel good about the Brewers. I mean, the regular Brewers. But it is what it is, man. Ashby's going to take his bumps. Right. Oh, and literally, because he wound up on the 15-day injured list after this game. Um, yep. So, <laughs> all right, I have a bunch of stuff to go with this one. So, first, I saw people questioning why Suter in the bottom of the eighth there. It's because he was saving Devin Williams for a potential bottom of the ninth, which would have been a save opportunity. Josh Hader unavailable. Next thing I want to say, 15 strikeouts as a team is way too many. That's twice as often as you should be striking out in a game. And I think even less. Um, Need a clip of of saying don't run on Hunter Renfro. It's not going to work for you. That's a good idea. I'm going to write that down. I'm with it. So... (laughs) Uh, saving Devin Williams for the bottom of the ninth, which would have been a potential save situation and the Brewers could have been able to score in the top of the ninth. Um, and then, so I want to bring up the decision to send Hunter Renfro um, and him being ultimately out at home. Um, I like the decision. So a couple weeks ago, we talked about the decision to send Rowdy Telez home and he was thrown out at the plate. Hunter Renfro's quite a bit faster than Rowdy Telez. Um, Pretty much everybody on the Brewers is, but (laughs) so the pitcher for the Mets that was pitching at the time is Edwin Diaz. He has one of the highest strikeout rates in baseball. So I saw a lot of people saying we could have had second and third with one out in the top of the order coming up. But that being said, I would rather try to be aggressive on the bases than to have guys at second and third and have two strikeouts and then being like, well, we could have tried to send a guy and maybe he would have scored. So ultimately whatever happens, the other situation is what people are going to be like, well, why didn't we do that? So if you get to a position where you can send a guy, try to be aggressive on the bases, force a throwing error um, that, you know, potentially say that ball gets away from the catcher. Not only does, I think it was Tyrone Taylor get over to third base. And then you have another runner in scoring position with just one out and a one-run lead, Um, you know, the other side of the coin is you have guys on second and third, two guys strike out to one of the guys in Major League Baseball that strikes out the batters most often, and then you're like, well, why didn't you send Renfro on the double? So it's just one of those things where you just got to take the perspective, and, you know, like I said, Edwin Diaz, one of the highest strikeout rates in baseball. Um, So you're going to have a tough time putting the ball in play against a pitcher like that. So my my stance on it is to be aggressive while the ball is already in play instead of trying to rely on putting the ball in play again. Fair? Yeah, especially for a team that 
you know, and you've said it a million times on here, that doesn't collectively put hits together. I say you got to try to, you know, force your own luck a little bit. I wasn't upset that they sent him. Right. So I did have two two positive takeaways in addition to this. Um, Again, Hunter Renfro throwing another guy out. Um, I think I might have a new number one fan. I think Christopher's going to be my number one fan now. Uh, Taylor and Tim are going to have to move over. Uh, I'll get you a shirt. I'll get you a shirt, Chris. You can. You can get shirts. I mean, if you want to, you can go to the Wisco Ball website, wiscoball.com slash Wisco Fanatics, and you can get Wisco Fanatics shirts now, which is cool. Um, been looking blue for that for a while. Blue one I, think I, I think I'm getting a blue one. I think that's the one I have coming is blue. That's the one I picked as well, and my girlfriend. Mm, I think Courtney got a black one, but her first one was blue, so. <laughs> Here we go. We're just going to rumble in the comments between Taylor and Christopher. <laughs> <laughs> I said, oh no. Taylor, you can be my number one fan. I mean, I'm pretty cool too. Uh, yeah, Jake wears a sleeveless hoodie, so he's got that going for him. What's up? No no muscles anymore, man. I got dad arms now. Uh, that's awesome. Cold number, number one. Ones. I'll take it. But I'm 1A. You can be 1B. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um,. And the other thing that I took away from Game Three of that Mets series was the Brewers did actually out hit the Mets eleven to seven. So that was my other positive takeaway from that game, um, just because I'm always looking for him. So <laughs> Jake Loki better. There's <laughs> Tim. Tim is hey. here. Tim from the top row. How long have you guys been watching? Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Love it, Tim. Love it. Oh, he's got those guns I bought tickets for. Oh, that's no, awesome. No, no guns over here. No guns over here. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Tim said how long you guys been watching. That's awesome. Oh, Tim from the top Tim, ropes. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest. You're funny. You've been here longer. But the Julio Jones jokes, Tyler's not a fan of. Tyler's not a fan of the Julio Oh, man. <laughs> here, look at I got him already. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I, d- I don't understand the boner for Julio Jones, especially after he just signed a one-year deal, was hurt most of the season, and didn't produce a lot. No, he didn't produce at all. And they were trying to force him the ball. And then eight, they yeah. were like, oh, yeah, we have A.J. Brown. Yeah. And then they threw the ball, and then A.J. Brown, like, yeah, I'm st- <laughs> it's stupid. <laughs> okay. Let's let's go to the Reds series. Let's start with game one of the Reds series, Eric Lauer. Okay. Um, before we do that, I got a question. Who kills the Reds more? Is it Renfro or is it Yelich? Because after this series, I'm having serious questions. I, I ultimately I do still think it's Yelich, just because he's got the longer track record, but Hunter Renfro has been in the AL and despite Major League Baseball having the longest regular season out of any sport has the least amount of interleague play, it just absolutely baffles me why. You play the most games and the leagues play each other the least. Um, You know, especially now with the DH being in both leagues, like there's no reason not to integrate the schedules more. Dude, and if you want to create more excitement and fans, you know, talking about it more, play other people that you don't play very often. Right, yeah, integrate them a little bit more. I would love – I mean, the, I think the Brewers play the Yankees later this year. Is it August? Yes, August. Um, they play the Blue Jays in their next series. Um, so so that would be cool. I'm the Brewers playing the Yankees. That would be sick. 
Yeah, that's sick, man. I, I, I don't get. I don't remember last time the Brewers played the Blue Jays. I'll be honest with you. But yeah, anyway, it's been a while. Yeah, it doesn't happen very often, but it would be cool. Um, let's talk Brewers five, Reds four. That's a dub for the crew. Eric Lauer, six and a third, six hits, four earned runs, five Ks. Did have one walk, but I like that. If you give me that one and below, I'm super happy with that walk yep. number. Yeah, I'll take that. Um, Sanchez, two-third inning, looked all right. Williams came in, did Devin Williams things, and Boxberger shut that shit down. Um, Renfro, three RBIs. Adamas and Hero with two-out homers, two-out RBIs. Um, that's something that I really, really looked looked for this week. Uh, Renfro, Adamas, and Hero all hit home runs. And the reason I asked that is because Renfro had a couple home runs against them. Um, bro, he he's crazy against the Reds. That he was the man. Eric Lauer looked like Eric Lauer, but Adamus, man, I don't think we have enough. He has the most homers for shortstops this year, NL ranks, and he was hurt for a while. So that's yeah, that's crazy to me. He's played forty-seven uh, up until up before yesterday. He played forty-seven games out of the seventy. And That's, still has the most home runs on the Brewers. He has 14 home runs already. Um, so so here it is. It's Robin Yount has the most home runs as a shortstop for the Brewers with 29. And in less than half of a season, Willie Adonis has 14 despite only playing 47 games. So he's hitting home runs at about every three and a half games. So with... With about 90 games to go. Damn. Willie might hit 40. Willie might hit 40 this year if he keeps going at the pace he's at. It'll, it'll end up being close. I, I'm pre- he'll probably end up with like 32, 33. Dude, I'll take that. Oh, easily. Easily. Um, Tim, as far as changing the schedule up more next year, um, I'd have to look into it. The the really shisty thing that Major League Baseball did while they were doing all these lockout agreements is that Major League Baseball reserved the right to change like six different rules for 2023. And basically all they need to do to change a rule is to give the Players Association like a 45-day notice. And that's like, yep, there you go. Yep, rules changed. I got that. And that rule has changed uh, 45 days from now. No more shifts, and we're going to make the bases bigger, and we're going to move second base closer. So, hope you guys are ready. Like, that's, <laughs> that's how it struck me that Major League Baseball was trying to handle stuff. Um, meanwhile, the Players Association was just trying to get more guaranteed money and um, spring training pay for minor leaguers. That's what the Players Association was fighting for, and for um, less up and down, uh, less call-ups and um, send-downs for um, to count for service time. So it used to be six. Now it's five call-ups and send downs before you are, uh, before it counts as a league year. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the stuff that the player association was going for. But like Jake said, um, lower had an okay game. Um, the home runs thing. Um, I, I'm going to talk about a little bit when I get into, um, improving some things. Um, I do want to say Hunter green coming into this game. Um, his last two starts, 12 innings pitched, one earned run, 15 strikeouts. Um, so they got Hunter Green had been pitching pretty well. Um, Brewers came in and were able to get at him a little bit. Um, Rowdy Telez was making some really good defensive plays in this game early and late. 
So it's good to see Rowdy Telez, even despite his refrigerator-like agility, making some defensive plays. That's um, one of them that stuck, baby. I don't know <laughs> that's one that stuck, and I love it. <laughs> um, Tim said during the broadcast on Monday love they'll be it. playing less divisional <laughs> matchups, and that's you know that's ultimately that's what it should be. Like you shouldn't need to be playing the same team twenty plus times a season and playing a three game series against five different teams once a year. Bro, I was going to say, I, I don't know how many games I've watched the Brewers play against the Pirates, but it's a fuck ton. And I'm sorry for the language, but goddamn, we always play the damn Pirates or the Cubs, I swear to God. It is. It's like every other series is a divisional matchup. And, like, while the divisions are how the playoffs are decided, like, you could probably tone it down a little bit when there's 162 games to be played. It's so many games to have the least amount of interleague play. Never understood it. I um, love how basketball does it. Not to cut you off, but I love ba- how basketball. Yeah, basketball is perfect. Perfect. They they perfect. play against the West. You know, as the Bucks. You know, I'm talking as the Bucks. They yep. play against the West. They're two games. They get a home and home with that. They play against their division. You know, uh, you know, four times. Four and times. Then, yep. And then they divide up the other games. You know, like they played the Nets a bunch because you know yep. that was the matchup. They play against the 76ers because you get Emerciannis. They do a very, very good job with yeah. how they yep. divide their games. And I wish I wish baseball would adopt that a little bit more. Like, have a home-and-home home series against, you know, or you can do like, okay, say they play the Yankees at home this year, which they do. Next year we play the Yankees in Yankee Stadium. Do something mm-hmm. like that, you know? Like, that's something that can be good. Yeah, it's such a thing where it's like every four years is when, like, they alternate. It's crazy. Um, you know, they, they try to – um, they try to push the border battle thing between the Brewers and the Twins. It's like, bro, we see them, what, six games a year? Yeah. <laughs> it's like right. like a border battle. It's like, okay, yep, take that's care. See battle. you next August. Like, that's – all right. Yeah, I will see you next year, and we will talk about that next year. <laughs> we'll, yeah. we'll talk 95 about games 95 games to play between then and now, but uh, we'll yeah, yeah. take care. <laughs> okay. So back to game one, some positive takeaways that I have from the game one of the Red Series. It's good to see Sanchez get a scoreless outing, um, especially yep. in a close game. Um, only two walks total by Brewers pitchers. So Jake mentioned the one by Lauer, only one other walk in the rest of that game. Rowdy making two defensive plays after making an error in the last game of the Mets series that ultimately kind of cost the game. Um Hira hit his first home run off a left-handed pitcher. So that finally happened. Um, it's good to see that. And then a leadoff single in the eighth inning, followed up by a strike out, throw him out, double play, uh, from Omar Narvaez. So that's, that's good to see that too. Um, it's just good to see the Brewers starting, starting to fire on all cylinders, despite it happening against a, a weak team. Um, so let's go to, let's go to game two. This was Saturday. This was ultimately the, or the game where, um, Lorenzo Kane was DFA'd before the game. Um, but the Brewers did get another Jonathan Davis in Wisconsin out of that. Um, obviously, obviously a different Jonathan Davis. Um, but he came up and he hit two for four and a spot start in center field. So, I mean, you know, that's cool. Got that going for us. Um, Yelich hit a lead single and then Yelich took a big turn after hitting that single a bad throw came in because he took a big turn. The outfielder tried to make a quick throw, 
the ball got away from both of the infielders, both of the cutoff men, and Yelich was able to get the second. I keep saying this. Force errors. Force the other team to make defensive plays. You know, put some pressure on the other team. See what you can do with it. Get some extra bases. You know, the Brewers, like, don't put the ball in play a ton. When you put the ball in play, be a little aggressive. So Yelich takes a big turn. Yeah, force the issue. Yelich takes a big turn after a single. The throw gets away into right field, and Yelich gets second base. Um, that's the kind of stuff that I want that I keep talking about to just to be aggressive. Um, Jason Alexander is is becoming like one of my favorite players because he's filled in so well for the Brewers for since yeah, Brandon Woodruff got injured. Um, I want to keep him around. Um, I really like Jason Alexander. Um, five and two thirds, eight hits, one walk, only two earned runs. Um, I'm gonna save. I'm gonna save a Jason Alexander stat for when I get into some positive takeaways. But um, Miguel Sanchez, Trevor Kelly, Hobie Miller, three and a third innings, hitless combined. Um, what did you see from the second game of that Red series? I know at least one thing you saw. Hunter Renfro, mm-hmm. <laughs> smash a baseball, dude. That was ripped. Okay, um, Adamus yeah. and Renfro homer back to back days. Uh, Telez got back on their RBI train. Urias Peterson picked up to himself. Um, I'm really, uh, this is the problem, man. This, uh, I got to talk now. This is the problem is I fall in love with all these players. And then when we lose, it hurts more. So I'm like, oh man, Peterson's such a gamer. Oh man. I wish he could play in the world series. Oh man. I love Hunter Renfro, man. He's a rocking arm. I miss watching Hunter Renfro throw people out. Like I just fall in love with all these guys. I want to say, I believe it was last night where Adamas, they were in a shit and he was right above second base and he made a crazy play to his right and he knocked the ball down. He didn't, he wasn't able to throw anybody out. But if he doesn't knock that ball down, they, they, they probably have second and third in that situation. I believe there was only one out too. But for him to even be able to react and make that play going to his right is just insane, in my opinion. The reaction to body control of it. Um, no, this was Jason Alexander's first ever major league win. Is this is this the game, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, he, that's that's amazing. You can't help but feel good for a guy like Jason Alexander, truthfully. I mean, the guy is just – he came out of nowhere to me, you know. Um, yeah. He just comes up and he's just – he's balling. I mean, he gives up some hits, whatever. I don't care. He doesn't give up runs, and that is what I care about. It's like when people were talking about the Packers defense a couple of years ago, and they're like, oh, my God, they give up so many yards. But then when they got the people got to the red, they suck. They locked that shit down. That's what Jason Alexander is in a pitcher form. I'm so glad you said it that way that he gives up a lot of hits because he gives up a lot of contact, but he doesn't give up a lot of runs. That's just the type of pitcher that he is. So he pitches, he wants guys to make contact with the ball because he wants it to ground out. So here's my Jason Alexander stat. So he has a 1.70 whip that's walks plus hits per inning pitched, yep. which is high, but just a 2.42 ERA, which is low. That's very low. Uh, no pitcher in the live ball era, which is 1920 to now, has had a whip that high and an ERA that low. Wow. That's a stat, baby. That's <laughs> a stat. Let's go. 
So, Fast. yeah, Jason Alexander just casually coming up and in four starts is making Major League Baseball history. So, oh boy. you know, the Brewers are, I guess, okay at developing pitching, if you want to say that. <laughs> Dude, we – I don't know. Maybe I don't watch a lot of other teams. I mean, I tune in sometimes, but – we might be the best, dude. We just got arms coming out of everywhere, man. Seriously. Hey, there's Chris Gaston. <laughs> I'm just going to give you a, a gas tank logo, man, Chris. Yeah, Christopher Christopher is my hype, man. He's going nuts. That was a stick to that, though. I'm not going to lie. Um, my other two things that I – or the other few things that I had from this game, uh, Willie Adamas, it seems like he's getting his power back. Um, you mentioned Jason Alexander. Um, getting his first win. Um, the Brewers manufacturing runs. So back to what Taylor was saying about trying to um, play some small ball and not just hit for the home runs. The Brewers manufactured some runs in this game. Um, and then Tyrone Taylor made a great diving catch that had to be reviewed. It was overturned. The Brewers won another challenge. The Brewers are like 10-2 and two on challenges. The Brewers are actually really good at challenging um, and, and winning them. Um, so that's, yeah, that's, that's what I had from game two. Let's go to game three of the Reds series. All right. Game three, um, the crazy, but Adrian Hauser picked up a win. That is the craziest thing right there. Um, he had six innings pitched, four hits, three earned runs, four walks, which is just like, he had all the walks for the pitchers in the game. He had all four of them. Um, the five K's. Uh, Kelly Milner combined for an inning. Boxberger uh, had an inning himself. Zeros across the board. No strike codes including, but the other zeros I care about. Uh, and Devin Williams, man, the guy, what a luxury. Seriously, what a luxury for the Brewers to be able to be like, yeah, Josh, go have your baby. We'll talk, you know, you know, like a week. Uh, Williams, you're up. And then Williams is just like, yeah, I'm good too. So I'm just going to shut this shit down. Like, what? What team you has want, that luxury just to have two? You want a nasty stat. Devin Williams stat? Give me it. Give me it. Give me it. For the most horizontal movement on pitches that were thrown more than 300 times, there's over 250 instances of pitches that were thrown. No pitch has as much horizontal movement as Devin Williams' changeup. <laughs> this is disgusting. It moves an average of 18.6 inches on average. <laughs> Devin Williams change up on average moves a foot and a half from top to bottom. <laughs> Imagine. Okay. Now people complain about hitting. That's so nasty. Imagine, nasty. Imagine oh. 96 coming at you and then it looks exactly the same except it drops 20 inches. And it's 12 and miles it's, an hour slower. And it's slower. Oh, you just look like a fool. You're fine. You're fine. That's just, oh. You have no you have no no chance. No chance. Oh man. Wow. That is impressive. Um uh, for the hitting portion, Renfro went yard for the third day in a row. Um he had two RBIs in this game. Uh Carantini with uh Two out Homer himself, uh, two RBIs. Uh, Urias and Matthias also picked up RBIs in this game, and the Brewers swept the Reds away, which was much needed after the week they had last week. Yeah, yeah. The Brewers picking up easy wins against um, not so good I mean, teams good is definitely what they needed. 
they look pretty decent against the Mets, yeah. which is which is encouraging. Um, it would have been nice to see them leave that with a series win, but um, you know, errors happen. So, and that's another thing where like Roddy Telez made an effort play, and we don't fault effort. You can't you can't fault guys for trying to make plays. Um, so we don't. You know, we don't. Yeah. If guys are trying to make plays, I mean, you don't fault that effort because you want him to try to make plays. They're, that's what they do. Um, well, I'm so, excited. After you get done with this one, the next game might be my favorite game of the week. All right. That's fair. I can see that. Um, Andrew McCutcheon made a really nice sliding catch. I think it was in the first inning of this game. And Tyrone Taylor made another sweet diving catch in this game. And then the last thing I want to do with this game is I want to give Hobie Milner credit. So I've, I've given Hobie Milner some credit for inheriting runners and not giving any um, not giving any runs up for inherited runners. Hobie Milner comes in with two outs, the base is loaded, and the Reds send up Joey Votto to pinch hit. And Hobie Milner has the cojones to come in and get a strikeout against Joey Votto with the bases loaded in two outs. Man, oh, man. Hobie Milner, so far, one of the unsung heroes of the Brewers season. So I just want to keep giving him that credit. Oh, I believe this is for the next game. I took a screenshot the other day of a All stat. Right. I took a All right, let's go. Go. And you actually commented on it on the Wisco uh, Twitter. You commented on it with Rosiak. Um, Burns had Rosiak. 20 swings and misses in his Rosiak in his 108 pitch outing. 69 of those pitches were cutters. <laughs> nice. Yes. Nice. Um, dude, Corbin Burns was fucking dealing, dude. He yeah. was the man. And I don't remember who tweeted it, but they tweeted out, imagine going from Burns to Williams to Hater. And this, this is all I said. You're yeah, that's all this needs to be said. That's it. You're fucked. You go from Burns to Cy Young, Williams, who you just heard that crazy stat. And then Josh Hader, who hides the ball and it's coming at you ninety nine. You're, you're just you're screwed, dude. It's you're over. Looking, you're looking at the Cy Young, the reigning Cy Young winner, and then the last three relievers of the year in the National League. Yeah, it's it's over, dude. The Brewers, that luxury is amazing. And once we get Woodruff back, and Peralta will get going towards the end of the season. Yep. Look like the Brewers again. Hopefully, they're hitting it up. Summer heats up. I mean, it's we're gonna be just fine. But watching, and God, I hate the Cubs more than anybody. You know, I hate the Cubs more than anybody else in this division. But the goddamn Cardinals, dude, have been killing this division for my entire lifetime. So finally, having a pitcher that could just mow them down like it's no tomorrow, and Corbin Burns is such a beautiful thing for me. Seven innings, two hits. He did have two walks, but he had ten Ks, dude. He was just destroyed. Oh, man. I got more stats. I got more stats for you. I I am the stat man today. Give me a stat. All right. So I did (laughs) want to bring up that um, Corbin Burns, his cutter was was failing him a little bit his last few starts, but I I kept bringing up how his off-speed stuff has been good. Um, Mm -hmm. This game, it seemed like his cutter was really good and all of his off-speed stuff was really good. Mm -hmm. So – Corbin Burns, 10 strikeouts. He is now second in Brewers history of games with double-digit strikeouts with 17 
He has five this year. The leader is Giovanni Gallardo with 18. <laughs> so probably probably oh, sometime this year, maybe even before the All-Star break, Corbin Burns is going to be the Brewers' all-time leader in double-digit strikeout games. And he's only been a full-time starter for like two and a half years. That is bullshit. That's bullshit. <laughs> I don't care what he says. That's bullshit, dude. Wow. Wow. <sighs> that is insane. That's in insane, dude. Wow. I'm sweating a little bit after that one. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> that's that's insanity. You you can right. keep going, man. I hope you have more stats. All right. I'm yeah, gonna- the re- <laughs> more stats. Um I have a little bit more stats later on. They're not as they're not as exciting as the ones that I've shared so far, but they might give some good perspective. Um, the rest of this game, one thing I want to do. Um, so Jake mentioned disliking the Cardinals. I don't like the Cardinals either, but I've said it before. I don't like the Cardinals, but I respect them. That being said, I gotta give credit to Tommy Edmond. That dude plays freakishly good defense. Like that dude. That dude has range on range on range, so and he can good. throw. He can throw from any angle. It doesn't matter if he's throwing across his body like this. Like it doesn't matter what direction he's moving. Like Tommy Edmonds is stud. Um, he's a monster, dude. He's yeah, a straight up monster. <clears throat> so there was—I don't remember which inning this was. I didn't write it down. Um, there was a pitch in the dirt. It was while Burns was pitching, I think. Um, and Narvaez threw the ball down to second base, and Luis Urias caught the ball and tagged the foot of the runner. Um, it was another challenge that was reviewed, and the Brewers won the challenge, and it was then they could see that Luis Urias tagged the foot of the runner. Uh, so that happened. Um, and then positive takeaways, I mean, Corbin Burns, it was a great outing. Um, he had a solid outing the previous week against the Mets, but this one was Corbin Burns-esque. Um, yeah. And... In this game, Willie Adamas extended his hit streak to four games. Um, so with that, we can go to game two of the Cardinal series. I got a question for you. So I just completely making this up off the top of my head. I probably have an answer for you. I've been I've so been you know how <laughs> you're pretty good at answering questions. Um, you know how Rodgers has a standard now because you know he's a four-time MVP. Are we getting to that point with Burns where we kind of have, you know, a standard where, like, we if he goes anything other than six innings and has, say, seven seven strikeouts, we feel like it's not as good of a – Okay, so I have way. kind of a two-part answer to this question. So first part okay. is, one, I'll say if he were to win another Cy Young Award – then I would say, yes, I would put him in that conversation where it's like, okay, Rogers is a four-time MVP. We expect this, you know, this uh-huh, and this uh-huh. and this and this, and we expect to be in the playoffs. The yeah. other thing that I want to say is for, for Corbin Burns, starters usually start about 30 games per season, just on the fact that they pitch on average once every five days, the Brewers spread theirs out a little bit more to try to protect the health of their pitchers. So figure 17 games for Rogers, just, Call it 34 starts for Burns just for the sake of making math work out well. For every one bad game that Rodgers can have, Corbin Burns by that math gets two 
bad games okay. that he can have. So if it gets to a point where, say, Corbin Burns has two bad starts in a row like he did last week, it's not something where I'd freak out the same way that I wouldn't freak out if Rodgers has one bad game out of 17 in the NFL season. And you know what, kids? That's called context. Congratulations. You win today, Tyler. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna get a I'm gonna get a crown that just says context on it. And I'm gonna wear the context crown. Bro, we're trying to create t-shirts. Why don't we create a damn shirt with our logo on it? Instead of saying Wisco Fanatics, just say context. Because context we're so, crown. Because we're so big on it, man. Seriously. You know, there's all these empty arguments where people are like, oh, the Packers suck. You're like, well, why do they suck? Well, I don't like that. Great. Good job, man. I'm glad I wasted my time <laughs> on that conversation. Right. So annoying. Hey, that's what successful people do, Chris. I'm always thinking. <laughs> the wheel's always turning. You know, mine's turning. Yeah. It's just not as fast as Tyler's. <laughs> It'll get there. Uh-huh. Yeah, it will. <clears throat> All right. Let's All right. go to the shit yep, game. Game two. Yeah. I didn't get to watch this whole game. I didn't get to see a lot of Chi-Chi because I was stuck at work. But from what I heard, you did, did all right. Um, Gorman for the, the Cardinals, the rookie, he went four yep. for four at two homers. So that was really what lost us the game. I mean, not really. Let's put some context on this, right? The Brewers were 0 for 7 with runners in scoring position. Adamas got a homer. That was really it. We had five walks. We were gifted five walks. Five is a massive number in the walks category. That's just from the, the starter yesterday. Oh, what was his name? Flattery. Flaherty. Flaherty. Um, and he had a bad start to, to start before. Or, you know, uh, talking about just him on the card. He had pitched three innings before. He only went three innings last night, I believe. But five walks and you only scored two runs. Oh, that's that's not okay. Um, this is, this is where this is, those are games last night where you watch it and you understand why Brewers fans complain as much as they do about the hitting because five walks, dude, we should have, we should have scored at least four or five runs. Yeah, that's, I wanted to pull up the tweet because there was a tweet about the Brewers, um, and base runners. So I wanted to try to find that. Um, I'll see if I can find it. Um, so um, on the conversation of Chichi Gonzalez, um, he he got down early, so he got off to a slow start. He was down 2 nothing right away in the first inning. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, the Brewers did come and get those two runs back right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like you said, getting all those walks, I think there was an inning where Urias and Yelich let off an inning with back-to-back singles, um, and neither of them came around to score. I just wanted to try to find um, – Find the one stat that I had. Um, a guy like Nolan Gorman, who has Pretty like two that was, that was nice. Two legendary names, Nolan Gorman. Two first names, by the way, so yeah. he can't be trusted either. Nope, can't be trusted. Screw that guy. <laughs> wow. After last um, night, I wouldn't trust him either. Jeez. Right. Um, I did have a couple positive takeaways. Um, Willie Adamas hit his 14th home run, just 47 games, like I said, based yep. on that math. Um, he could be in line for something like 40 homers. Uh, he's on a five-game hitting streak now. Suter had an inning and a third scoreless. is good to see. Um, his fourth straight scoreless outing, actually. Um, 
And then Luis Urias starting to look a little bit better at the plate is encouraging to see as well. Um, so that's that's the takeaways that I had from that game as far as positivity is concerned. Um, and I will I will find the stat that I'm looking for because it was somewhat telling how the Brewers did basically all of their threatening in like the first three innings. Um, Who's on the bump see. for the Brewers tonight? Let's see real quick here. Um, okay, Brewers. Should be Lauer. It is Lauer versus Adam Wainwright. Hmm. Well, while you're finding that real quick, I want to go over something. Ah, I got it. I got okay. it. Okay. Never mind. Do your thing. So, <laughs> the Brewers had one hit after the second inning and two base runners after the third inning in last night's loss. Ugh. That's a lot of one, two, three innings from the Cardinals, man. And that is how you don't gain, gain any momentum. And a game where it was right – basically the entire game, it was right there, man. And they, they could have taken it at any point, um, but they didn't. The Cardinals did, and the Cardinals are a good team. Uh, we're back tied on top of the NL Central, so we'll see what's going on. Um, I wanted to talk about how the Brewers have played so many away games already, man. Mm-hmm. Seems like we're always on the road. And, we played, and that too with the three-team, three-city road trips. Yeah, it's that's a lot to take on, man. And the Brewers are still above five hundred. Still, again, like I said, tied for first in their division. Dealt with a shit ton of injuries on top of it against the Cardinals team that's always competing. Brewers play forty-one away games. Yeah, they're twenty-three and eighteen. So that's a very good road record, in my opinion. It's hard to win on the road. So you go on the road, you win. They're good. Uh, 29 home games are 16 and 13. So I would like us to get some home cooking going. You know, you know, start winning two out of three every home series, two out of three, two out of three. And then if you have that above 500 away record, then you're going to be one of the top teams in the NL, and then you're going to be in position to That's host. exactly what happened last year. That's exactly yeah. what happened last year. That's what developed into last year us divided, uh, developing the slogan "pitching travels," because the Brewers were doing so well on the road because their pitching was carrying yeah. them so well. Um, so maybe we'll have to bring yeah, pitching yeah. travels back. Oh, that could be another one, dude. We got we got so many random things that we've said on the show that just stuck, man. <laughs> they just stick. Um, so. Starting tonight, Brewers have two more games against the Cardinals. Then on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, that is the Blue Jays series. So that'll be a good measuring stick. Um, it'd be nice to see the Brewers get this series win against the Cardinals. Um, it'd be nice to have an opportunity to win three out of four, if I can be greedy, just because it'd be um, when you're facing the head-to-head, the team you're tied with, having the opportunity to take a game by winning every day is, is something you want to do, obviously. Um, and then they go play three against Toronto. That's that's a measuring stick series. They have off on Monday, and then Tuesday they start playing the Rays. So it um, doesn't get terribly much easier um, after the Cardinals series moving from there. But uh, let's go. Do you want to do power pairs or improvement first? Can I tell you a random story? It is- a random story? It involves the Rays because you brought them up, and I tell it. Okay. Right. Yeah. So, you know, they're, they're – Cool young prospect, Wander Franco, right? Mm-hmm. So his name's He's the reason Wander we Franco. have Julio Damas. Yes, he is. And this is this is amazing, dude. His dad's name is Wander Franco. Okay. He has two brothers. Their names are Wander Franco. Okay. 
Wait a second. He had a son. He named his son Wander Franco, dude. He's having another son this summer. I swear I think Wander Franco, I don't trust anything in the world anymore, dude. Dude. I just want to look at Wander Franco's walking around. No, no. This is this is what's happening. They, they, they are now a comic book family and they are the Wanderers. <laughs> Isn't that amazing, though? There's like a hundred Wander Franco oh. and I'm like, my how far does this Wander shit go back, dude? Dude, are you asking, are you actually trying to wander down the road of Wanders? I am. <laughs> dude, I'm wandering right into it. Uh, we we have wandered off oh, the path of I what we're trying to do here. <laughs> we definitely have wandered. I had to tell it, dude. I'm sorry. So many Wander Frankos. I was like, what's happening right now? Oh, I was man. just scrolling on my phone one day and a little reel popped up and it was a chick telling a random story and she was like, you know Wander Franco? I'm like, yeah, he's pretty good. You know, he hits bombs and they're like, Wander Franco, Wander Franco, Wander Franco. I'm like, there's 50 of these fuckers, dude. Why is there so many Wander Francos? It's, it's going to be, it's going to be like, it's going to be like, like Wander Franco with the curly hair. It's going to be Wander Franco with the birthmark. It's going to be Wander Franco with the mole on his cheek. It's gonna be Wander Franco with the cigar, like they're your league Wander. Yeah, it's gonna be yeah, Wander Franco, the shortstop. Oh, oh man, there's so many Wander Francos, dude. <laughs> oh man, let's do Power Bear before we wander off anymore. Oh, <laughs> uh, we yeah, we have wandered off the path. All right, so I'm just gonna go first and give my Power Pair pitcher because I already mentioned the the cool stat that I had about him, which was Corbin Burns. Um, like I said, he's second now in. Um, Double-digit strikeout games in Brewers history. He needs just one more to tie Giovanni Gallardo, two more to pass him. His two starts last week, uh-huh. 13 innings pitched, only two earned runs. Those both came against the Mets. 18 strikeouts, and he's he's back to Corbin Burns. Um, he's basically last year and this year, his two bad outings that he had happened almost at the same exact time. I kind of touched on this last week a little bit, but Mm -hmm. his two bad outings that he had happened almost at the exact same time as they did last season. So um, Corbin Burns bouncing back. uh, It's, it's a great thing to see, especially as the Brewers are dealing with so many injuries. So any game where you can have a guy go more than six innings, potentially seven innings to save the bullpen, that's going to be active a lot um, Mm -hmm. is just, is just more beneficial to the team more than Corbin Burns already is. So I also had Corbin Burns. I was trying to decide between Corbin Burns and Devin. Oh, I thought for sure you were going to go with Devin Williams. I really wanted to, but then I was looking at Corbin Burns stats and I was like, bro, this is God telling me like, you got to pick Corbin Burns. Um, two things. His bobblehead day is coming up. Um, and mm. another one, I hope that the Brewers set it up that he starts at least one of the games in the New Jerseys. I hope that is a thing. I love all the New Jerseys. The powder blue is definitely a thing that needs to stay, in my opinion. Um, but he, he has should 13 pitch Saturday. He should pitch Saturday? Saturday. If he pitched Tuesday, he should pitch Saturday. Okay. Well, um, his bobblehead isn't until Sunday, so that's a little weird. But He doesn't have a pitch on his bobblehead, do you? I know. No rule that says that. It would just make sense to me. Willie Adams was hurt on his bobblehead day. Yeah, that's unlucky. So was Woodruff. So was Woodruff. Um, Burns had 13 innings, seven hits, two earned runs, two walks, 18 Ks. He had more Ks than innings pitched. This guy is just unfair. 
And like you said, you stole the one line that I wrote on here. Corbin Burns is back to being Corbin Burns. Yeah. All right. Well, why don't you tell me your your man crush position player power pair? Can't help it, dude. Hunter Renfro. He's got the locks, bro. He's got the arm. Um, pitch Sunday. Oh, because you're going to the game, I'm assuming, Tim. Tim, you got to go to a game with me and Tyler, damn it. You go to all, all these damn games, and you haven't invited us. Um, but anyways, I have Hunter Renfro. 7 of 24. He said Woodruff was – yeah, he was. I said that already. I was. I beat you to it there, Julio Jones. He was 7 of 24. He had 291. Um, he had six walks. He did strike out six times. That's one bad thing. But he had seven RBIs, three home runs, and he scored four runs. So, I mean, for a, for a guy coming off, you know, a week that he, that he did, and I said I wanted to see more out of him and Willie Adamas, I feel like they both bounced back. <clears throat> Well, it's a good thing you brought him up because mine is Willie Adamas. He's on a five-game hitting streak now. Um, the last week he was nine for thirty-one. That's a two-ninety batting average. He had three home runs, seven RBI. It's good to see Willie Adamas bouncing back. Um, Christian Yelich has been much better since he's been in the leadoff position. Um, I think Luis Urias and Rowdy Telez are the next two up to start um, doing more at the plate. Um, yep, those are the, yep. the two next that I want to see start get, getting out of their slumps. Luis Urias looked pretty good last night. He ripped a couple line drives that were good to see. Um, so, Yelich, Willie, uh, Renfro getting it going. It would be nice to see some other guys start to, to pick it up. Because I posed the question during the Brewers' losing streak, you know, it's like all the Brewers are slumping at the same time. So, my thought was to ask, what if the Brewers all get hot at the same time? You know, what could that lead to? Um, that 10-2 game against the Mets was kind of that that breakout where it's like, okay, this is what the Brewers can do when they're all firing on all cylinders at the same time. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So imagine the Brewers doing that for two weeks straight or something like that. You know, that's that's where the – you know, where we would try to encourage you to be more optimistic just because the law of averages would suggest if they have two weeks of really shitty hitting and they go on an eight-game losing streak, that at some point the opposite has to happen. So, you know, at some point the Brewers are going to rip off a long winning streak and just be beating the cover off the ball and, you know, throwing all the nastiest pitches and Jason Alexander getting 9,000 ground balls every game and and really firing on all cylinders at the same time. So that's what I'm looking forward to, um, to see the Brewers get going with that and to start getting healthy um, is another big thing. So, yeah, getting healthy is definitely more of my concern. Um, I know they hit. Hitting will come around, you know, like you said, the averages, it'll even out. But getting Woodruff back, getting Peralta back, getting our staff back, strengthening up our already very good bullpen. I had a stat, but I lost it. I couldn't find the photo um, about the scoreless inning streak that they had going. Um, I'm going to try to find it. Maybe I'll bring it up next week. Right. It won't make sense. Well, but I'm going to find I mean, you can, you can try to find it now while I talk about some improvements real quick. All right, let me look for it. Let me look for it. All right. So, um, ooh, legs cramping up. That sucks. Oh, shit. Detroit has traded Jeremy yeah, Grant. Yeah, Jeremy Grant. Yep, I saw that. Ow. I had to stand up. My leg cramped up. Ouch. Ooh, okay. That sucked. Oh, that sucked. Hey, man, that's the worst, man. Charlie Horses. It's been, it's been so hot, dude. I'm drinking. I I have this. This is a 32-ounce water bottle. I swear to you, I have filled this thing up 12 times in the last three days. Oh, my God. There's no reason my body should be cramping up on me right now. Okay, 
Um, so looking at, um, I started this last week trying to look for things the Brewers can improve. Uh, just looking for ways that the Brewers have things they could improve and then trying to look at ways how they can improve those things. So looking at the second game of the Mets series and then just throughout the entire week, um, striking out. The Brewers are striking out way too much. Um, yeah. In the second game of the Mets series, they were really struggling with off-speed pitches. Um, last Wednesday, 10 strikeouts. Last Thursday, 15. Friday, 10. Saturday, 10. Sunday, 7, which is better. And then Monday, only 4. And Tuesday, they had 6, which is... 6 is okay. Um, so, as far as striking out too much, it's... <clears throat> it's really hard to pinpoint why the Brewers are striking out so much. So the Brewers are fifth in Major League Baseball in strikeouts, but they they have the third lowest chase percentage, so that's swinging pitches outside the zone. Um, they have the lowest first pitch swinging percentage, so maybe that can kind of contribute to some of it. If, they're, um, if other teams are just sitting you know, dead red that the Brewers aren't going to be swinging at the first pitch so they know they can get in ahead and account by just throwing an easy strike. Um, the Brewers only swing at the first pitch 25.6% of the time. So only one out of every four at-bats of the Brewers swing at the first pitch. Um, easily the lowest in Major League Baseball. Um, the other thing that the Brewers aren't really near the league leaders is the Brewers are the fifth lowest in zone swing percentage. Um, some of this, I will say, I think has been due to inconsistent umpiring. Um, I don't think it's enough to really skew the, um, to skew the percentage of, of not swinging at pitches in the zone, but it's just one of those things where it seems like the brewers are trying to draw walks more than to fight pitches off. Uh, I don't know if there's a way to see, um, on average, how many foul balls are hit with two strikes? I have no idea if there's a way to find that stat or if I just have to try to track it myself. Um, but, you know, that that could be one of the things that maybe they could try to improve is is just shortening up their swings with two strikes, uh, trying to fight pitches off, you know, foul off pitches that are close to the zone and, and just try to wait out a pitcher mistake um, as opposed to trying to just draw walks, you know, even if you're down one, two in a count. Um, because the Brewers, it feels like they have not gotten a lot of favorable umpiring. Um, it seems like the opposite is true, actually. Uh, but, like I said, I don't think it's enough to really skew the, the percentage. Um, next thing, Eric Lower giving up home runs. So the three that he gave up to, uh, during the Red Series, uh, he gave up one to Elmora, I gave up one to Drury, and one to Tommy Pham. So the one that he gave up to Albert Elmora... Um, it was a low and inside pitch. That one, you just tip your cap and give credit. Like he he hit a ball that was not in a great place, and like he hit the home run. He hit it hard. That one, I give credit to Albert Almora for knocking out. The other two that he threw, one to Brendan Jury and one to Tommy Pham, were both like meatball right down the middle of the plate pitches. Mm-hmm. So that is you know. Um, we, we talk about the Brewers wanting to drive down their walks. That seems like Lauer trying to get in the head in the count by by betting on batters not swinging at the first pitch. Um, I think both of those were, were first pitch home runs or early in the count. So um, Lauer needs to be a little bit more subtle if he's trying to get ahead in the count um, early in the count. Um, 
because the Reds had two guys, Tommy Pham and Brendan Drury, that just jumped all over those pitches. Um, yeah. So that's that's my thought on improving Eric Lauer giving up home runs is to just be a little more subtle trying to get ahead early in the count. Um, <clears throat> and then the last thing is seeing Willie Adamas being more patient at the plate. I brought this up last week. Um, I'm going to look into it more. I want to get a bigger sample size on it before I, uh, I try to speak on Willie Adamas being more patient or not patient at the plate. Just because after coming back from his injury, he had one bad week and now he's had one good week. So I want to have a bigger sample size on Willie Adamas to see if it was just his injury that was that was causing his hitting to be down, or you know if it was an underlying issue of um, swinging at pitches low and away or something like that. So I'm gonna hold off on trying to talk about what Willie Adamas could improve as far as um, his plate discipline is concerned. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I will, yeah. Once that sample size gets a little bit bigger, then I will try to talk on um, Willie Adamas's plate discipline a little bit more. Yeah, I think his average is definitely going to go up. He's too good of a – he's got good plate discipline, I think. Uh, if he lays out that low and outside stuff, he'll be just fine. Make them yeah. pitch to you, Willie. Yeah. They don't want they don't want to because you've got power, but make them pitch to you. Um, I couldn't find the stat. I think I actually deleted it. Um, but I did have a shout-out I wanted to give. Um, it is a great time, and it's not talked about enough. It's a great time to be a Wisconsin basketball fan. Um, Kayvon Looting – Jordan Poole, obviously major pieces of Warriors medal, uh, sixth man of the year, Tyler Hero, uh, Wisconsin native. And there's going to be maybe three people from colleges in Wisconsin, uh, two born in Wisconsin, I know for sure, that might get drafted tomorrow night. Um, for the first time ever, we're looking for Marquette Badgers in Milwaukee to have somebody drafted in the NBA draft for the first time ever mm. that would happen. So that would be insane. Yep. Um, Milwaukee doesn't really get a lot of high recruits, so that makes sense. Green Bay as well, if Green Bay could get – any good that would be amazing um but just a great time i feel like we're improved I feel like Mint, as much as i don't want to give them credit i feel like they're really good at developing talent i know chet is from there he might be the number one pick so minnesota wisconsin we're standing up right now in the basketball world man we put a lot of good good players yeah. in the league right now so the three the three that jake are talking about is obviously johnny davis it's Patrick Baldwin that Jake mentioned before. And the other one is Justin Lewis from Marquette. Yep. That's the one that Jake's talking about. So um, just to get that name familiarity out there, Justin Lewis is the other one that Jake's talking about. Could be the first um, time. Man, we can see history, Wisconsin history tomorrow. Yeah, Johnny Davis, when he's not playing center field for the Brewers, he's going to get drafted. To the Johnny NBA. Davis, I don't, know how, I don't know how I feel about him in the league. I don't know how he's going to transition. He has to become a more efficient score outside of the paint, but hit athletically wise, I think he'll be able to hang. I think he'll be able to get up and down. I don't think that'll be a problem yep. for him. Uh, defense, obviously we know he loves to compete on the defensive end. So mm-hmm. I've seen him go into the Spurs. I've seen him go into the Wizards, which is a, which is bad now that Beal wants out. <laughs> but it'll be interesting to see where Davis goes. I'll definitely be following his career pretty sure If he gets drafted by the Wizards, he's starting day one. Assuming Beal leaves. Oh, yeah. Hundred percent, hundred percent. They're definitely going to go into neutral mode. Yeah, since he since he declared, I've for some reason like can't get him out of my mind on the Spurs. Like that's just where I've pictured him. The Spurs pick at nine. Like that's the place where I've just pictured him ending up. I don't know why. I would just, I would love for him to go there just to be around Pop. Yeah, just that'd be cool. Get knowledge from Pop because yep. I feel like he's going to be a guy that needs to develop, and Pop is the guy. 
that has the patience. You know, I'll put him along with you, Austin, because Deontay Murray is an underrated stud. So putting That's him on what the Spurs I was just going to say. Putting him with DeJounte Murray, like he's – He's a guy who's a really willing passer. He's a really good passer, DeJounte Murray is. Um, and it, like you said, he's underrated. So pairing Johnny Davis in a backcourt with DeJounte Murray, I think that would be a really, really good fit for him. DeJounte Murray is like Shea Gildas-Alexander who plays for the Thunder, where they're both just like racking up stats, just scoring, yeah. rebounding, getting assists, getting steals. Yep. And they're both just stuck down there, you know, Texas-Oklahoma area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just just, just ball. Yeah, he would he would fit really good on that system, in my opinion. Yep. I want him on the Spurs as well, but I've seen him mock to the Wizards, and I do not want that because I don't want to swoop in his ass three times a year. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've also heard that uh, Greg Popovich is interested in getting DeAndre Ayton to the Spurs. Ooh. So if they could figure out a way to pull that off, I mean, it would probably include the number nine pick. But Well, that would mean Maybe. that Davis would probably fall if he doesn't go to the Wizards. Wizards and maybe he ends up a buck if they're for 14. Just saying. Just saying. It's possible. Just, just throwing it up in the realm of possibilities. Personally, I don't see him falling past 11. Um, I'm not sure what pick the Pacers have, but if he gets to the Pacers, the Pacers are taking him. Yeah, well, the Pacers. Huh. If the Pacers do anything, I want them to do one thing. Give us Miles Turner. Turner. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I've wanted him for like three years now. Ugh. This is the year. This is definitely the year. And sadly, it might include Brooke Lopez. I would I would be very sad. But, dude, Miles Turner with Giannis? Come on. I want titles more, and I, I love these players. I love them for what they gave us. But Miles Turner with Giannis, dude? Imagine the block parties. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Chris, Chris, Brown, I'm glad you brought it up just because I've seen it so many places saying to bring Brogdon back. Um, it's not going to happen ever strictly because Brogdon does not want to be here. Yeah. Um, yeah, he got political with it too when he left. He got very cool when he left us, so it's not happening. Yeah, Bro- yeah, he just straight up does not want to be in Milwaukee. Yeah, um, he did it. He did it for reasons outside of basketball, so that's how yeah. I know it's. 100% not happening. If we're going to go get a former Buck, I would want us to get P.J. Tucker. Not happening, though. No. I heard rumors that Philly is going to be offering him three years. Three years, 30 million. million. Dude, he'll be 40 by the end of that deal. She's so going to give a 40-year-old $10 million and expect him not to spend it on shoes. <laughs> hmm? Is that what you're going to do? Because you know he's shoes, bro. <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, for me, you know, it's maybe building through the draft, and I'd like to see. I really, really like to see Kyle Anderson. Um, they'd have mm-hmm. to, they'd have to co- you know, convince him to take like six and a half million, because um, mm-hmm. I think that's that what their, their mid-level exception is—is is six and a half mm-hmm. million. Mm-hmm. Um, so ultimately, boils down to if he if he wants to buy into playing for a title contender. He was on Memphis last year, so. People are like, oh, he played on Memphis. He was on a title contender last year. Let's pump the brakes on calling the Grizzlies a title contender after one run into the second round. I get that John Morant was hurt, but the the Bucks have paid their dues and won a championship now. So there's there's different tiers there. The the Grizzlies are a tier down from title contender. They're still they're still figuring out how to win. Okay. The big time yeah. games. 
There's a difference. Possession by possession, everything means something. Um, the good news, though, for the Bucks is that we got our boy Pat Connaughton back today. Yes, I'm glad That's you brought that massive. up. Um, hopefully they can figure out the Portis news, I'll Portis to come back. Um, after that, we're going to watch the draft tomorrow night. We might live stream. Um, I want to invite Chris. Chris, come on out. Tim, come on out. Everybody come join us. Um, also, start joining us on Friday nights, man. I just want to plug it one more time. Uh, Friday night's going to be Packer Party Nights. Um, I don't know if that name is going to stick. I just kind of threw it out there. But we're just going to be having some Packer Parties. We're going to be having two more people join us, Simon and Bryant. Uh, that'll be really exciting. Those guys have different outlooks than we do. Yeah, uh, more perspective pick- is never a bad thing, uh, in my opinion. Um, I will they, say yeah, that I think they're definitely a- really smart, and they understand football. Yeah. Yeah. I will say there's there's potentially a thing is too much perspective. Like we're not going to have like eight people on here at once, but I think I think four is kind of that max. Um, that's so you know, yeah. So just more perspective, and that's that's what we like to do on the show. In addition to um, the positivity and the optimism of you know, even if the let's say let's say the Packers are favored to lose a game, you know, um, or if they're projected to lose a game, whatever what the the money line is. Um, Jake and I are going to do things to look at, you know, even if Jake and I pick a record of say 12 and five, and we're talking about one of the five games we think the Packers are going to lose that we're still going to give you the ways that the Packers could win. We're not going to talk about why we think they're going to lose. We're still going to talk about the ways that they could win. Um, And that's, that's the way that we want to approach the way that we talk about things is we want to approach them from a positive, from an optimistic standpoint. And that's what we're going to continue to do. Um, And then, offering more perspective. So that's where, that's where I bring in like the, the zone swinging percentage for the brewers and the chase percentage and those things just to try to give more perspective instead of just going on to Facebook and seeing somebody say, Oh, the brewers suck. They're not going anywhere. Fire council trade Yelich trade burns while we can get something for them. Instead of just doing that, finding a different way to look at something to say, Hey, you know, the brewers don't suck. They just need to improve this one area. Or if they can acquire a guy that does this well to shore up their one weakness. Mm-hmm. Um, or if it just comes down to, uh, like, like I've used the term, the law of averages. So for, you know, I use it a lot during the Bucks Celtics series. For teams to average 35% on threes, they're going to have some games where they shoot 15%. They're also going to have some games where they shoot 55%. So it's not... It's not all just what our teams are doing wrong or what our teams suck at. It's okay to say that the other team deserves credit for winning sometimes. It's not always our team lost. Sometimes the other team won. I mean, especially in the playoffs, you play against good other good teams. Right. You know, the Packers lost. Yeah, that shit hurt. And there is where we broke it down. I thought we did a very good job breaking it down. And we looked at the reasons that lost us that game. But the 49ers also won the game. You know, they also came and they, they came into our house right. in the frigid cold of frozen tundra and they played their brand of football. And they stuck to it for 60 minutes and it worked. Yep. They, they damn near should have beat the Rams in the NFC Championship game, man. I mean, yep. I mean, there's just it, it's a game of inches, like they say. And, you know, sometimes you lose, sometimes you, you don't. Uh, Listen, here's and, uh, the thing is, is it's okay. It's okay to give credit to your rivals once in a get, while. Get back on the bucks. That's off more than the Packers. <laughs> um, 
know, it, like I said, with um, the first game of the Cardinal series, giving Tommy Edmond credit for playing really good defense. It's not that it's not that Christian Yelich and Luis Urias can't hit. It's part of it was they got hits taken away from them by really good defense. At the end of the day, you know, Cardinals fans and Brewers fans may be rivals, but we still have in common that we are watching Major League Baseball. Or when it comes to, you know, the same thing with, with Bucks and Bulls fans, Packers, Bears, Packers, Vikings, all those rivalries, they're still playing the same sport. So we have something in common despite being rivals. And to break it down even further, when it comes to rivalries, every four years the Olympic happens. I don't give a damn what state you're from when the Olympics happen. It's Team USA time. Yeah. Fuck you, and they're all on the same team. Fuck Russia's you, not, they're not even allowed in the Olympics. They're too busy doing steroids thinking nobody's going to notice when a chick has a thigh this size. Man. Man. <laughs> they got AJ doing females walking around. <laughs> right. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Quadzilla from Mother Russia and nobody will notice. <laughs> His name, his name is is actually Mark, but they threw a wig on him. Fuck it. They won't yeah. Know. Yeah. Girl, girls can be boys. Boys can be girls now. <laughs> we shave head of all our citizens, so they all look same. Oh, we're wandering <laughs> off again. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, all right, man. You got anything else? Nah, man. Uh, hopefully the Brewers can keep winning so I don't have to watch people cry. Yeah. And if you don't want to deal with it, come hang out with us, and we'll 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 frame some perspective and some positive attitude on it. So, hey, Chris, thanks for showing love today, buddy. Seriously, right. yeah, my number one Taylor. hype man, Chris. Chris is now my hype man. Taylor, Tim, hey, thank you for showing yeah. love. Um, Dan, you're still a dick. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. a little harsh. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.